0: Hello and welcome to Prostate Cancer Uncensored, a podcast produced by Zero, the end of prostate cancer. I'm Jamie Burse, CEO of Zero. Today's podcast is all about dating and prostate cancer. We talk a lot about how this disease affects wives and partners, but what if you're single? What if you're dating? How do you talk about prostate cancer with someone you're just getting to know or building a relationship with? And I have to tell you, I've been working with the prostate cancer cause for over 17 years now, and this topic has never come up in any conversation that I've been a part of. So um, I'm excited to be able to bring uh, some light to this. And someone who has firsthand knowledge, firsthand experience with all of this is my guest today, John DeGizu, a prostate cancer survivor, fellow New Englander, and my friend. John, thanks for
1: joining us today. Thank you, Jamie. Great to be here, and I'm really happy to be talking about this topic because uh, my journey was made a little bit dif- more difficult, I believe, because I didn't have the resources as a single man uh, to figure out where I was with with the disease and what followed it. Right, and you've been through some
0: significant uh, adversity. Um, you've been through a divorce. Yep. You have been diagnosed you know, prostate cancer and then also been really sort of forced to gain a courage to reenter the dating scene. True. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. And, um, I can relate with you on the divorce part. I've been through a divorce a number of years ago, so mm-hmm. that can be painful enough to almost sort of just cash in your chips and say, you know what? I don't want to be emotionally involved with anybody. Um, maybe ever. So let's start there. Let's go back. Um, your prostate cancer diagnosis came on the heels of your divorce. Right. So take us back to that time in your life. Where, where were you sort of mentally and emotionally at that time? Uh,
1: well, uh, I was married 28 years. Um, I'm, I'm the father of three fantastic uh, daughters. Um, and my marriage uh, just fell apart. And it was a little bit of a shock to me. It probably... Looking back, maybe not as big a shock as it was when it happened, but um, the marriage fell apart uh, and it, uh, I was living in New Hampshire at that time. Uh, so in that state, it was a relatively quick turnaround. So within six months time, um, I was divorced. And as I said earlier, it came as a shock. Uh, I had to reorganize my life, I had to move, Um, financially it was a huge impact on me and emotionally it really tore my world apart because I was at a point in my um, at my age I was 59 years old and we were looking about we were becoming empty nests my youngest daughter was just about ready to graduate the University of New Hampshire and um, you know we were at this point where what do we do next and uh, I had ideas and plans for uh what you know empty nesting would be like and none of it included divorce actually. But anyway, um uh, six months after the divorce, actually less than six months after the divorce, uh, I had gone for my annual physical. And uh the doctor felt something unusual, uh, although my PSA was relatively normal. Uh he said that protocol would be that we would have to wait about a year but he said he didn't think that was the right thing to do so he sent me off to um, a urologist and uh, my cancer was confirmed um, after i had a biopsy and i was told um, by an oncologist at uh, dana farber here in boston that uh, i needed to act very quickly And uh, it was one of those things that really threw me into a tailspin because I had just moved. I had just started a new life. I had just begun to think about, um, you know, what's the next, what's my next step? Will I be in a relationship? Will I not be in a relationship? And then the specter of prostate cancer was hanging over me. And of course uh, I, I read, a lot about it. I actually found zero at that time and used a lot of the resources that Zero has to learn a little bit about what I was facing. And um, you know two of the side effects after a radical prostatectomy um, incontinence and ed are not two things that you want to have when you're about ready to launch. Uh, into uh, into the dating world, into the single world as a fifty-nine-year-old, sixty-year-old man. So uh, that beca- I, I really was in kind of a a place at that point where um, emotionally I was depressed, uh, but I guess what I had to do was pull things together and get things done. And I think, like most guys. I just started to make the punch list and go through it. And I focused on getting it done, getting the surgery over with. Um, I also had a hernia at the same time. So they repaired that, uh, getting that over with, and then worrying about what lied ahead. Uh, it's quite a lot to go through
0: six months after, uh, uh, divorce to be told, you you have prostate cancer and then be facing, as you said, uh, incontinence, ED, and to repair a hernia all at the same time, um, while really thinking of, of what's ahead. Um, it's just so hard to, to, to picture, um, where you were mentally and emotionally at that time. Um, you know, as I said before, uh, you know, I, I, went through a divorce, like, about, uh, 16 years ago or so. And, um, you know, that's enough to sort of really, uh, knock you back for, for quite a while and, and, and do some real, uh, introspection. So uh, I I really um, uh, ad- ad- admire you for everything that you've been through, particularly in such a short period of time, and to uh, rebound the way that you have to uh, be an amazing advocate for the for the prostate cancer cause, and and just really seize the day in your life and and move forward. Mm-hmm. Now, as I, I mentioned in the in the intro, um, that there are resources for men and their wives and their partners going through prostate cancer. But not really much for a single guy. Um, No. no. So you went through doctor visits and Mm follow-ups as as a single man, and usually most guys, you know, have their partner, have their wives, kind of, you know, go with them to some of these treatments or go with them to some of these consultations. But you're going in there um, solo, you know, by yourself.
1: Yeah, I I think. Tell me about that. I think the biggest shock, Jamie, was that uh, the first meeting I had. With the uh, urologist, Um, he said, "Well, where's your wife?" And uh, or you you know your partner, your wife. And I said, "Well, I'm I'm divorced. I'm single." Um, And it was almost strange because the reaction was like, "Oh, well, you you should have someone with you." And uh, I had moved to a new city, um, a new apartment. I had um, three daughters, so I didn't think bringing my daughters along would have been the right thing, even though they, they are adults. Um, you know, and my brothers uh, both live um, hundreds of miles away, so it wasn't easy to have uh, brothers or uh, have two very close friends, one's in Virginia and one's in New York. Um, either Even though they were extremely supportive, um, you know, I had to go it alone. So it, it was a little bit of a shock the first time I met with the urologist and the topic came up. But all of the subsequent meetings, I met with radiologists, I met with um with an oncologist, I, I um I had to do various, you know, as you know, tests and blood work and all of that. And just about every time I was asked the same question: Do you have someone with you? No, I'm on my own. No, I'm on my own. And Uh, You know, after reading uh, up on cancer in general, you know, there's always a recommendation to have someone go into uh, appointments with you, mainly because uh, emotionally and psychologically, you're not really taking it all in. Uh, But I really, really had to figure out a way. And what I did is I took a notebook with me and, and took notes. And uh, tried to review what I was told, uh, made a punch list, and then just followed it through. Uh, but I have to say that at the emotional level, um, constantly being asked, where's my wife, or where's my partner, or where's my coach, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, certainly got me, you know, depressed me a little bit because I felt more isolated and more alone. Um, I did uh I did actually meet a prostate cancer survivor and I I reached out to a local prostate cancer organization and they were very helpful as far as giving me information as was zero but again there really wasn't anything there about navigating the disease um a as single a guy. single person as a yeah. single guy and um following that of course I think the biggest, bigger challenge was navigating the dating scene and navigating life after prostate cancer.
0: Yeah. And you had a a prostatectomy, which means uh, you had your prostate removed, which can, for a lot of men have a lot of side effects, which you had mentioned, which is uh, incontinence and and erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And that, um, that really puts a a damper, a great difficulty on a, a number of, um, uh life experiences i guess if, if you will like let's just just get to it yeah I, mean, I, I imagine that uh it has it has a great impact on on being able to have um you know full sexual function and satisfaction um so so you're going through that um so so take us through that before uh, and so you're going through that and then you're starting to think about jumping back into the dating scene how, how do you sort of reconcile like all right i probably Probably need to regain some of um, some of this control, or or, you know, heal some of these side effects before jumping into the dating scene. Or, or did you? you What were we we thinking?
1: Well, um, I I love the choice of the word damper (laughs) because (laughs) uh, um, I did have both. I had incontinence. I had ED. And uh, uh, in both cases, I couldn't imagine myself being attractive. I think all of us with prostate cancer go through that I'm not a man anymore uh, thinking. I think we all kind of say, oh, you know, we're not a complete man. Um, So lay that over the potential of going out on dates and meeting women. Um, It really, really hits the confidence level. Um, I was. I was incontinent, I was uh, wearing Depends and pads and uh, I really couldn't imagine uh, being in a very romantic, uh, intimate situation and uh, there you are in your Depends, <laughs> mm-hmm. so that certainly was a little bit of a turn off. And then um, ED, um, certainly I guess what went through my mind was what do I have? to offer a woman? Uh, You know, why would a woman want to be interested in me? And I think the difference is, is if you're partnered, when you have a wife, you have a partner, that person has hopefully made the commitment to go through the journey with you. Uh, When you don't have a partner, uh, there's no one there committed to going through the journey. And so how do you, what's your opener? You know, uh, hi, uh, I'm incontinent and I, I I have erectile dysfunction. You want to go out with me? Uh, you know, it uh, it really really uh, weighs heavily on you when you start jumping into the dating scene. And
0: yeah, you probably don't get very many winks on your dating profile if you have <laughs> that on there. <laughs> well, right yeah,
1: you don't. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't put that up, I don't think. But um, so I guess for a while there, I just didn't get involved Um, uh, it was months uh, good good eight ten months after um, after i had my surgery um, that i really didn't get involved i really didn't put on a full court press Um, however i had moved into um, a um, renovated mill building in manchester new hampshire right on the merrimack river a uh, very cool place, uh, filled with a lot of uh, uh, millennials, uh, a lot of young professionals, a lot of recently divorced people, and a lot of em- empty nesters in transition. Very pretty and, place in the world, by the way. If uh, it, people have never been, yeah, it's a, it's a great little city. And, and um, there were there was an opportunity to kind of start socializing with folks, and uh, I I was invited out. To go to pubs and bars and a great many, a number of restaurants in Manchester. I made a couple of good friends, and that started opening up my social life, um, mm-hmm. not my dating life, but my social life. And um, it gave me a little bit more confidence. And it wasn't until a, a friend and a coworker kind of sat me down and said, You know, we got to get you on. One of the dating sites we got to get you out there and um, i was still dealing with incontinence i was still dealing with the ed yeah
0: and uh, what did you say to him or her that said that uh, we need to get you on one of these dating sites what was
1: the first reaction my first reaction was no i'm not ready uh um, ah. and he he said to me well you're never going to be ready unless you do it you got to jump in and um at around the same time i had had a visit with my uh, urologist, and I brought this up. I said, you know, I'm a single guy. I'm really struggling. I want to have a relationship. I want to jumpstart uh, dating, but you know, I have these issues. And uh, one of the things that he said to me that stuck with me was, "Look," he said, "you had cancer. He said, um, if you meet a woman and that's the a pro- problem for that woman, then you don't want to be with her anyway." So and this is your urologist that said that? Yeah, my urologist has said Mm, that. Does he also have a psychology degree? Because that's (laughs) pretty
0: pretty smart. He's a great
1: he's a great guy. He's a great guy. And uh and uh, maybe he had had this conversation with someone else at one point or another. I don't know. But uh that stuck with me and helped me get, you know, enough nerve up to get on a dating site and start uh start. Uh, looking for someone, looking for love. And, um, you know, at the same time, things started to improve. Um, I got the, I got from, I I graduated from Depends to Pads. Uh, I have, I I still every once in a while have a little bit of an accident here or there, but I'm good with it. Uh, it's, um, It's under control. And ED, I was trying a a variety of different uh, approaches to kind of getting things working again. Um, And uh, my um, my urologist had prescribed. uh, We tried Cialis. We tried Viagra. Um, Viagra seemed to help me, and um, you know that gave me a little bit more confidence as well to get out there. And start dating. And now I
0: I had, um, I I was lucky enough to to host a podcast, uh, last time with, um, uh, sex medicine, uh, doctor, who's wonderful Dr. Rachel Rubin. And during, during that podcast that she had said, uh, about men going through prostate cancer and, uh, really dealing with side effects, particularly around erectile dysfunction, uh, to remember that, um, I, I I, I can't remember the exact percentage that she said, but she said it was less than 20% of women, uh, orgasm, uh, with penetration only mm-hmm. to one. Remember that. And two is that, uh, uh, many women view intimacy, uh, as, as something uh, much more than, than just time in, in, in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, did that ever come up in, in in any of your conversations as you were getting back into the, in, in the dating world to to look at it that way in terms of because you had said, you know, what do I have to, to offer a woman? And we just joked about, you know, the dating profile of, you know, prostate yeah, <laughs> cancer and erectile dysfunction and all that. Right. Yeah. You know, th- does that um you know at what point is did that sort of you know I- into your into your mind as you were
1: getting ready to to jump back into the dating scene? Um it's or it's, if an, I- Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. Um I think I I was more having a crisis of of confidence. I I, I was kind of confident enough to go out on a date and uh, engage with with a woman and and talk and have dinner and have drinks. What where my problem was was what happens once you like that person enough to want to be intimate with that person and. Um, in you know, I, I went on several dates, uh, and quite honestly, uh, we didn't click. We didn't click on other levels, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was matched up by uh, by one of my friends, and uh, you know, it was one of those disaster dates. <laughs> but but it was all a learning experience for me, and it was all good because it got gave me the confidence to keep pushing ahead and keep, uh, keep trying to meet someone. Um, so I'm trying to think how I would answer that question. The, the, the erectile dysfunction was, was always there. I think it wasn't until I met the woman I'm with now that I began to learn about what that doctor said, that intimacy is important. Um, that um you know that it's not necessarily you you don't have to hit a home run every time uh (laughs) uh, I, i happen to be now with a very understanding woman who loves me for who i am um that's awesome so you know i i think that uh if i was to give advice to other guys is that just go out there you know it's it's the same advice you'd give your your fourteen-year-old son, you know, go out there and be yourself. And you know, when when you get to the point of of intimacy, maybe have that conversation with that person. And if you're at that point, it may not be that important uh, a conversation to have. You know what I mean? Did Did you always um, sort of have the hope, or
0: con- I, well, I guess I, I know that your your confidence was shook. But did you did you always have the hope there that um, you'd regain um, the your sexual function uh, and eventually uh, be a partner, or was that sort of always, I guess maybe maybe a dark cloud in your mind even entering back into the dating scene?
1: Yeah. No. I um, I went through a, a a roller coaster of of um, emotional reactions to both incontinence and ED. Um, there were times where I I had the confidence and thought, yes, there's someone out there. There's someone else out there for you. I mean, as you know, Jamie, after a divorce, y- you have the same question: Will will there ever be anyone else? Will I find someone else? Do I want to find someone else? So the same thing was coming up now, but in spades, because I had the divorce and then I had the the cancer. Uh, so. Uh, no, I, I, I really went through a roller coaster of emotions where some days I'd say it was over. I wasn't going to meet anyone, you know, I'm not, not going anywhere or maybe after a date with someone that didn't work out. Is it, is it really worth it? I think those are just normal reactions, whether you have the cancer or, or not. One thing I can say is that, uh, my best friend's wife was going through breast cancer at the same time I was going through prostate cancer and even though she lives in Virginia, we talked often and what I found in her that was helpful is that she and I both felt that we were no longer a whole man or a whole woman hmm. and you know, I think breast cancer survivors have similar reactions and, and probably cervical cancer or ovarian cancer survivors so we talked to one another very frankly about the fact that you know we really felt like we weren't whole anymore and i think by sharing that with someone particularly a woman it was it was really good for me uh, it, and it was really good for her uh, i think we we helped one another say wait a minute we're still we're still worth something <laughs> you know we're still good people we're still worth loving
0: yeah, I, I can relate. And, and what I'm about to say is not to not to try to even put myself in the same category of what you and your friend went through in terms of going through prostate cancer or breast cancer. But um, uh quite a number of years ago, I I I got sober. So I'm I'm a recovering um, you know, alcoholic for mm-hmm. you know, more than 20 years now. But I remember going through that whole experience at, at first for the those first couple of years, and you really questioned your self-worth and you know, am I a whole person? Could somebody really care for me? could i could I have a relationship where I don't really I feel less than or I'm sort of um, broken, mm-hmm. so to speak. and you know, would somebody love that and am, am I worthy of that so um, you know I can kind of relate on on that level, but um but certainly not on the you know, having, you know, having to live through cancer and, and, and go through what you went through. It takes, takes quite a bit of courage.
1: Uh, it takes courage to do what you did too as well, Jamie. I don't think they're that different in a lot of ways, you know, because it's what you think and what you have in your head, right? <clears throat> yeah. It's all, all the narrative that we, uh, that we tell ourselves, we, we, we
0: fill in these, uh, Gaps in our mind where we don't have uh, information, we tell ourselves this false narrative of uh, what's um, what what may not be true that uh, that can kind of be deflating sometimes mm-hmm. um, so so take take me back to you mentioned it a little bit, but take me back to that um, you know your first date after diagnosis um i can I can only imagine you know how nervous you might have been um, or you had mentioned that um you're in a relationship now which is amazing you know what's um what was the first date with uh with her like uh particularly <laughs> particularly because you know you've got prostate cancer she doesn't know it yet right. um you're you're going you know, i'm sure i'm sure you're still going through the roller coaster of um you know a little bit of anxiety depression you're still going through the roller coaster of um, pads and you know, perhaps erectile dysfunction, and yep. she doesn't know any of this yet. So, you go on your first date, yep. Uh, tell me about your nerves, tell me about what, what's going through your head.
1: Well, it was uh, we were on uh, we were we met on eHarmony, which is an interesting uh platform uh, because you have to go you have to do a lot of work with eHarmony, there's a lot of questions and a lot of uh. You go back and forth, and you know you start with a little s- smile at one another, and then you build up to you send five questions and five questions and five answers. So, so it was a couple of weeks of kind of online chatter, and uh, I I uh, I uh, wrote to uh, I wrote to Francine. Her name is Francine, and I, I wrote to her and I said. Uh, do you think it's time for us to meet? And uh, I kind of play the games by the rules. I had never really been on dating sites and eHarmony said that the first thing you need to do is connect online and set up a date and you meet for coffee or a glass of wine and it should have a very specific time, one hour. So this is what I was envisioning and uh, uh, Francine, uh, wrote back to me and she said, here's my phone number, uh, which broke all the rules. Here's my phone number. and She broke uh, all the rules. She broke we all the rules. She, uh, she I'm smashed. following all the rules and ah. she broke them. And she said, here's my phone number. Give me a call. Um, you know, and, and uh, I did. And I, I called her and she said, well, why don't we meet for brunch? And uh, it was like, well, that's against the rules. (laughs) You know, we're not supposed to be from. (laughs) Anyway, Uh yeah, she was in in the Boston area. I was in Manchester, New Hampshire, about an hour, a little bit more than an hour away from one another. Uh, So we met here down in the Boston area. Um, I drove down. Uh, I got there early, like a good Boy Scout and i was i was very nervous of course i was nervous um and this woman walked and in she the rest- still doesn't know any of this right no she doesn't okay. know all right and okay. this woman walks into the restaurant and um and my heart kind of jumps because oh, okay. uh she looked like someone i wanted to be with uh she looked like her pictures online um she had a big smile she was very well dressed and we sat down and we had a, well, we sat down at around 1130 and we left one another at around four. So it was a, a marathon brunch where we talked about everything. And at one point, um, I have, I kind of blurted out, um, well, I, I'm, I had prostate cancer. Over brunch over brunch and yep. it was one of I, I tell you honestly it was one of the things that i kept talking to myself when i was so practicing. how does that come out did you say like
0: how are your eggs benedict and by the way i've, I've got prostate cancer uh, I,
1: I guess we were talking about you know our lives and you know she was also divorced uh you know mm-hmm. and, you know we were talking about that. And, you know, when this happened, timeline and all of that good stuff. And I think I just blurted it out, but I had, I had coached myself all the way down that I wasn't going to say that. Uh, I, I wasn't going to tell her that—not on the first date. There's so could no you see point. the words
0: that you said that I have prostate cancer floating through the air? Yeah, I did. In her ears, and you were like, Sh- "Shit, I want to bring that back."
1: Right, and, exactly. <laughs> how, how do I how do I undo this? And huh? you know, she paused, and the expected what I expected to happen was for her to stand up and run out of the restaurant screaming. I mean, uh-huh. I mean, that's how absurd. I, where my head was and I said, Oh my gosh, you know, how do I get this back? And, and she said, uh, she said, well, she said, I've, I know a lot of men who, well, we have dated several men who had had prostate cancer. And she said, and actually my ex-husband had prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, it kind of floated there for a minute. It was this pregnant kind of moment. And then we just moved on to other things. And we agreed that we would start dating. Um, but I think one of the funnier stories is, you know, we went out on several dates. And because of the distance, uh, we met in between, uh, you know, uh, halfway between Manchester and and uh, Boston. Um, you know, Sounds in a like restaurant. you had some dates down the street from my house then. Well, pretty we, much we, where we I met. Am. We met in Chelmsford and we met. Yes, that's the yep. town
0: right next to me. Yep. We
1: so, yeah, we met there a couple of that's times. funny. Small world. Yeah. And then, uh, and then.
0: Of course everybody listening p- is going, where the hell are all these oh, towns? I don't are talking about, but
1: sorry. But, okay, yeah, go was, ahead. So, so you're meeting in the middle, between. going through these dates. We're meeting in the middle. And then finally, at one point, um, uh, you know, this is a couple of weeks time. So we meet in November and, you know, somewhere around the beginning of December, um, uh, she comes up to Manchester and we go to one of my favorite restaurants and we have this very, very romantic dinner and we drink way too much. And, uh, you know, she said to me, she said, well, I don't think I can drive home. Um, So I said, well, you certainly can stay at my place. So uh, where everybody's head is going right now is not where it went. Uh, I was so scared to put the moves on this woman that I suggested she sleep in the guest room. And I sleep in my room. And I was a perfect gentleman. And the next morning, uh, you know, I made her breakfast and we had this great conversation. And she took off. And I was kicking myself thinking, well, now she thinks I'm really useless, right? but actually she was very impressed by that. And all of her friends were super impressed because I was taking it slow. I wasn't pushing myself on her. I was, in a sense, being a gentleman. And that actually strengthened our relationship. It didn't, uh, it didn't weaken it at all. So, so take me through, so when it finally got to the point
0: where it's time that that you both decide to be intimate um Mm -hmm. uh take us take us through that Uh, what's going through your head you know what what maybe is going through her head you know were you like um you know i sorry to to, i I don't mean to be so flippant about it but you're like hold on honey i need to go into the bathroom and to do something. Uh, to do something with these pads. <laughs> um, and, you know, take take us take us through that. What's the What's the
1: lead up there? Okay. Uh, the um, a couple of a week or so after that, uh, she invited me down here for dinner, and uh, she's French, so she made uh, lapin, which is rabbit. Uh, I like rabbit, uh, and the French are make it. In a really nice way. So we had a uh, rabbit um, for dinner uh, and uh, we had some nice bottles of uh, French wine um, and things got romantic. Uh, was rabbit
0: an aphrodisiac? I'm not uh, sure. Is
1: well, it... I, I mean, rabbit has. It was some, that night, maybe? <laughs> I, I think maybe that was a message, <laughs> a hidden message. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it. it one thing led to another and, um, you know, we, we slept together that night and that was the first night. And, uh, by some miracle, I mean, I certainly had prepared, I, I took, uh, I, I kind of figured that I was being invited here for dinner and, uh, I, I kind of hoped that things would move in the right direction. And I think, I think she the kids was, these days call it Netflix and chill, don't they? Yeah, Netflix and so, chill. So you're, you're ready <laughs> for I, Netflix and chill. And so I think that, uh, I, you know, I think also she was expecting and hoping that something happened. And uh, I prepared, um, and it worked. Everything worked beautifully. And I think one of, one of the things that also um, – was a challenge as a single guy, maybe going back, is the fact that when you have a partner, when you have a wife, you have someone to share intimacy with. When you're single, you don't. And even though um, you know, doctors tell you there are you know, certain exercises you should do in the shower, certain ways to, to make sure that things are working, Uh, When you don't have an object, when you don't have uh, someone that you're in love with or interested in, uh, an object of your affections, it's pretty difficult to get, put it quite frankly, to get things up, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that once I started developing this relationship with Francine, I started to have a person, an object of my affections, somebody that I wanted to be intimate with, and it made things easier
0: so you said exercises in the shower we're, we're not talking about uh singing in the shower no, right? we're, no what are no. we talking
1: about well we're talking Her. about masturbation mm-hmm. is what you know my my urologist recommended
0: now why why did he say in the shower
1: i i i don't know i guess maybe because it's warm the environment is warm uh, okay maybe because it's uh it's wet. Uh that was the recommendation I had gotten was uh you should get up every morning and and do that uh in the shower. All right. And you didn't need a prescription for that. You you, you could just do that
0: without without getting a prescription. For what? For
1: for, for <laughs> you know, masturbating in the shower. No, no, I don't think you need a prescription for that. <laughs> Uh, I have now, to say you feel like a 13 year old boy, but you know, you don't need a prescription. <laughs>
0: well, that brings, uh, you know, that, as you said before, uh, you know, the advice you would give, uh, your, your 14 year old, uh, someone would give their 14 year old son on going on a first date. Uh, I mean, at least that, that, uh, that brings some, some youthfulness back into your mm-hmm. spirit, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, so you did, uh, an amazing blog post, uh, for us at Zero where you offer tips for single men who have prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell our, our listeners who are you know, tuning in now or what, what are, what's some of the advice that you, you shared in that? And obviously we're going to direct them to the, to the blog post, but what, mm-hmm. um, what advice do you have for guys that are, that are trying to, that are single out there going through prostate cancer? are trying to put themselves back into the dating world
1: i think number one you're still a man um you know don't listen to the narrative that because you've lost a part of your body and because things aren't working exactly the way they did when you were 21 um you're still a man uh the other thing that i i found very helpful was you know there's the old expression just say no well i turned that into just say yes and whenever anyone asked me out uh, i'm not for instance i'm not a very big football fan at all but uh there were a couple of people in my building who would go every sunday uh down to a local pub and watch the patriots play uh, and they'd asked me to join them, and every Sunday I went and watched the Patriots play. had a couple of beers and uh, and met a lot of people. So um, you know, I, I would say put yourself out on a limb and just do things. Uh, don't think about it; just do things. Uh, if somebody says, you know, we want to go to a movie and you're not interested in the movie, just go to the movie because it just gets you out. Um, also. Um, you have to break the narrative that no one will love you uh, and no one will care about you. I think you have to keep telling yourself that you're capable of of giving love and being loved. Um, I think you have to trust yourself and the people that you might meet. Uh, one of the things that I learned was taking it slow, um, not jumping before you're ready. Um, Maybe, maybe just giving yourself a little space and giving the the woman you're with a little space. Um, uh, The 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 uh, the message that my urologist told me that if uh, if your cancer scares somebody off, then that that's not the right person for you. Uh, I thought that was very helpful for me. Uh, Once I told uh, Francine, and her reaction was okay. Okay, let's see how things go. She didn't run out of the restaurant screaming. That kind of said, you know, she might be the right person for me. Um, Be open about sex. I think a lot of guys, you know, and I was one of them. That you know, you you your your mentality was uh, get the job done. Uh, Prostate cancer has created a very different sexual me. I, I think most guys can relate to the, I, I don't, I don't orgasm all the time. Um, you know, it takes me longer to get uh, excited. Um, sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. Uh, but, um, I think the fact that a lot, a lot of these things aren't negative because, it takes a lot of the emphasis off of me and on her, and so we can enjoy one another. And we're very, fortunately, we're very open about it. And sometimes we just laugh about it. Um, and the uh, the other thing I would say is just keep trying, try, try, try again. Uh, don't believe that your life is over uh, because maybe the right person doesn't come along, or because physically you're not acting like you were when you were in your 20s. Um, the relationship I'm in right now is is really fantastic, and I'm very grateful for it. And I think um, because it's, well, we've been together now three years, so I, I don't know if that's still a new relationship. I guess it is. But sometimes I feel like I'm back in my college years with, with Francine. Because that's we, wonderful. We have uh, a lot of intimacy um, quite honestly, we have a lot of sex and for two sixty four year old people I think uh, we we sometimes feel like we're twenty somethings and you know what's more important than that is we share a lot of interests uh, where uh, we love to travel uh, we're actually leaving on friday for the for the Azores for a week and uh, around christmas time we'll be heading out to france to visit her her family as we do as, as we've done the past three years that's beautiful uh, i'm i'm
0: so happy um all of us at, at zero happy with um that you've uh, that you've indeed found love again and and going on all these uh, adventures with francine and and having an amazing life after prostate cancer to the point that uh, you feel like you're in your college days again. And and, uh, I think I just heard you say that, you know, having a lot of intimacy and having a lot of sex, which Mm -hmm. uh, is probably the envy for, for, for most guys out there. I I, I don't know, (laughs) but, um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for you. Uh, That's, that's just, that's wonderful. No, thank you. John, we at Zero thrilled that uh, you found happiness and, and love again. Uh, we know your story will bring hope to men listening right now who may be in the same situation that you were a few years ago. And uh, I want to thank you very much for not only joining us today, but having the courage and vulnerability to really open up and share your story to uh, inspire other guys to uh, to step forward, to to, to seize their...
1: Uh, their sexuality and 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 feel like they're whole again. Thank you, Jamie. And if there's any guys out there that would want to talk to me, please feel free to share my contact information. I always be willing to talk to guys going through this.
0: Terrific. We have a a, a mentor program, as as you know, and, and for this is for our listeners. But uh, we have a mentor program where we match up. Uh, prostate cancer patients and survivors with newly diagnosed patients or or, or patients who are are just new to our community and matching them up based on some of the same concerns or side effects or or where you are in your disease state. So you can be sounding boards for each other and really find, um, you really share experience, strength and hope around uh, uh, prostate cancer and some of the uh the, the the other ancillary issues that go around go go along with the disease so and a, a, thank you for for being a mentor and continuing to offer being that uh this podcast is part of a series on prostate cancer and sex go to zerocancer.org to download our series um and you can also read john's blog there too um and we're also on a number of uh, streaming platforms including spotify Thank you again for listening to Prostate Cancer Uncensored. I'm your host, Jamie Verse.